The Steve Lobby Agency presents The Christian Publishing Show, a podcast for writers who want to advance Christ's kingdom using the written word. Here's your host, Thomas Umstadt Jr. Writers' conferences are a key step in your publishing journey, especially if you hope to be traditionally published. They're where you meet agents, they're where you meet editors, and they're where you learn a lot about the industry. But they're also very expensive and time-consuming. And the key to getting the most out of your next writers' conference is preparation. So we're going to talk about how to prepare for writers' conferences, how to prepare for your for success, and I'm very excited about our guest today. We have a very special guest. She is a literary agent with the Books and Such Literary Management Agency. She represents both fiction and nonfiction, and she's worked with published authors since 1995. And she's worked with two different publishing houses. She's been an agent for over 12 years, and she currently uh, represents an impressive list of 75 best-selling and award-winning authors, uh, as well as training lots of uh, pre-published authors in her authorschool.com. Rochelle Gardner, welcome to the Christian Publishing Show. Thanks, Thomas. It's great to be here. So it's 2020 now. Are writers' conferences still a thing, and will they still be a thing in 2030, or is this something that the coronavirus will bring a permanent end to? Oh, my gosh. Well, I think writers' conferences will continue to be a thing, although there are sometimes online writers' conferences, so you never know. We might be going in that direction. But as of now, um, even just um, three days ago, I was at a writers' conference meeting with writers, and uh, I think it will continue to be a valuable part of a writer's experience for quite some time. That's right, because while the getting the knowledge, you can do that cheaper and easier online, there's no online replacement for that personal connection, the meeting people face-to-face, the looking into their eyes and asking your question, yourself, is this the next bestseller? <laughs> there's no substitute for that online. That is true. So what are some things that an author can do to prepare for their next writer's conference? So one of the things you can do is, um, in the first place, you want to look on the Writers' Conference website and get a good feel for who's going to be there. Who's on the faculty? What agents and editors are you um, interested in meeting with? Some of them you might have a one-on-one meeting with. Others you might um, meet in the hallway or you might sit at a, at a table with them during a meal. So kind of you might want to get an idea of who's going to be there, and especially if there are any who seem particularly appropriate for you, you might want to try and plan like what what you might want to say to them if you meet with them. Um, you'll definitely want to be becoming very familiar with your own project or projects, whatever you are wanting to pitch while you're there, and getting comfortable with talking about it. Not so much memorizing an elevator pitch, which you obviously you can do, and that would be very helpful, but you really want to get comfortable just talking about it. And when I was at this writer's conference this past weekend, I really met with a lot of people who seemed very, very nervous. And so I kept saying, you know, hey, just don't worry about it. Just pretend like we're at a cocktail party. And, you know, we're just we're just talking to each other. And I just said, hey, what's your book about? And I just want you to feel comfortable being able to talk about it. But you want to practice that um, and really work on what's the essence of your book, because you don't want to get into that situation where all of a sudden you're rambling on two or three minutes later, and I still kind of don't have a feel what your book is about. So that's why you want to prepare 
in really being able to capture the essence of your book in just a few words and leave it open for questions from the agent or editor that you're talking with. Yeah, and how do authors reduce uh, their nerves, right? Because the more research you do, the more you learn about the impressive resumes of these agents and editors, the scarier they can become. (laughs) So uh, what tips do you have to help uh, connect with these folks as real folks? Well, understanding that the nerves are normal in the first place, it's it's fine. A lot of people are going to be nervous. And the reason that you're nervous is because you feel like there's such high stakes. This is a, some, it's something that's really important to you. And that's the kind of thing that does tend to make people nervous. Um, one of the things I um, encourage people to do is... Um, you know, not only just think of the people that you're meeting with as, you know, just people, which of course we are. And, you know, we have to get up in the morning, same as you do and take care of our kids and all of that kind of stuff. But also, um, realize that we're really on your side. We're really hoping um, to hear your best. We were very, very interested in who you are and what you're writing. We don't have a combative stance and we're not against you. We're, we're going in just completely rooting for you. Another thing I think can help people with the nerves is um, this might not apply specifically during your meeting that you signed up for. But in general, at the conference, if you kind of put yourself in this in the position of thinking of others, and so if you're thinking, I'm so nervous, I'm so nervous, I don't even know who to talk to, kind of turn it around and look for someone else who looks nervous and go up to them and say, hey, you know, how are you doing? Have you been to this conference before? Are you nervous? Like, I'm about to pitch. I'm nervous. Are you nervous? And so kind of turn it around. See how other people are doing. You can even sit down and talk to that agent or editor and say, hey, how's your day going so far? Is it going well for you? And so you're kind of immediately turning it around and acknowledging them as a human and also getting the focus off of yourself. And that can really help with the nerves. I love that. Think about yourself less. Uh, This is a solid strategy for so many aspects of life. It's good about your blog. (laughs) (laughs) It's good about your book, right? Don't write about yourself. Write about your reader, uh, both in your book and in your blog, because your readers want to read books that are about them, even if they're novels. They want to feel like they can relate to at least one of your characters. And also remember that agents aren't famous in real life. They're only famous in writer's conference world, right? When you're at church and you tell somebody you're a literary agent, they're like, oh, that's nice. What's that, right? <laughs> it's not like you're a Hollywood celebrity or a movie, uh, music, you know, famous musician where uh, they're always famous all the time. And they've got an entourage and bodyguards. It's not like that. Just remember, these are real, normal people. They're not presidents or dictators of some foreign nation. And also, we're really nice. We're not mean people. <laughs> You're not going to the conference to reject people. You're going to the conference to try to find somebody to say yes to, or perhaps even more than one person to say yes to. So, so they and agents only win when their clients win, right? Like they're you're not trying to ruin people's lives. You're trying to make people's careers. And if if you just remind yourself that they don't actually bite, they don't feast on the broken dreams of authors, you know, and the faculty dinner. That's that's not how it goes. And now one thing a lot of people are asking is about one sheets. What is a one sheet and how is it different from a book proposal? 
So a one sheet is exactly what it sounds like. It's where you kind of um, try and capture your book on a one page um, piece of paper. A one sheet refers to something physical as opposed to digital um, that you can bring with you and slide across the table at a meeting with an agent or an editor that will give them your book in a nutshell. It usually is, uh, it tries to be visually pleasing. So it usually is nicely designed with some kind of an image that's evocative of your book. And then it has a short kind of back cover copy type type of little blurb about the book. And it also has a short piece about yourself. So a very, very brief author bio, and usually a small photo, like a headshot of the author as well. So kind of, um, and you know, the title is usually really big on there. And so it kind of tries to capture your book in a page. People bring these to conferences so that they can um, bring them to the meetings with them. So a lot of times the agent or editor will want to go ahead and take a look at that during the meeting, um, especially if the author is really nervous and having a hard time with their pitch. Sometimes I'll just say, well, here, let me just read your one sheet. That's fine. But I got to say, um, one sheets are, um, I know there's a lot of focus on them and people are always talking about them and, and so stressed about the one sheet, but really it's not the most important part. Um, it's nice if you have one. It's not crucial. And the fact that it's amazing, um, doesn't really help sell your book. Um, if it's visually pleasing, that is a really nice thing. But again, that's not what helps me want to um, learn more about your book. I'm really, really interested in the conversation that you and I are going to have. And um, in fact, I might want to look at your one sheet during the meeting, but I may or may not want to take it with me. Sometimes the agents want to take them because that helps them remember later which projects they were interested in or you know who which author was was doing what, and that's really nice. But then some of us are getting to the point where we're doing everything electronically. I'm taking my notes on my iPad, and um, and I'm not taking any pieces of paper with me. I might take a picture of your one sheet um, if I feel like it's something I want to keep with my notes. But um, again, it's nice to have one, but I don't think it deserves the incredible focus that it's getting. In fact, I actually usually do um, at least a couple of general market writers conferences every year. So right, um, conferences that are outside of the Christian market. And at those conferences, no one's ever even heard of a one sheet. Not one person has ever given me a one sheet at a non-Christian conference. So this is something that has grown up um, within the CBA world and become kind of a popular thing to do. But it's not the thing that's the most important. And growing up recently, when I got started in this industry, one sheets weren't a thing. They weren't being handed around. I feel like this is this new phenomenon and they can be a useful tool. But if you're at the writer's conference in the hotel business office, frantically trying to print your one sheet, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> you know, and, exactly. And I'm going to say something probably really unpopular here, but you know, I do that sometimes. So, um, a lot of times in the writer's life, 
because writing is hard and pitching is hard and um, meeting with agents and editors is really, really nerve wracking, it is really easy to get ourselves focused on something that's not the most important thing. It's not the scary thing. A one sheet feels like something I can control and I'm just going to make sure I have a really, really great one sheet and then I can sort of keep myself from worrying about all of the other really scary things about the conference. So I think it might have become really popular because it's a way to sort of avoid the hard stuff and just focus on this one sheet. And there's not one person who's ever going to say, oh my gosh, I had to acquire that book because the one sheet was so amazing. Like that's never going to happen. If you think of it like cooking and what you're trying to do is cook a great dish, a one sheet is a type of seasoning that is not necessary for a great meal. It can be useful in certain situations, but if it's all you have on the plate, <laughs> no one is going to want to buy that meal because it's just a flavoring. There's no substance there. There's no um, you know, proteins or carbohydrates or the things that normally make up uh, a meal. And if you're working on it at the last minute, if you're working on it at the hotel, that is time that you could be spending connecting with other authors, which is way more valuable, or connecting with agents or editors, or just standing in a group of people listening to a conversation, learning things. Because when you're at a writer's conference, there's the things that are taught from the stage, but then there's also the things that you can learn, especially about the industry and trends and stuff like that, that only come up in the conversations, right? The conversations around the table, the conversations in the coffee shop. And if you are huddled, you know, trying to get the margins right, because if only my margins were perfect on my one sheet, then I would be success. You're getting, you're getting the cart, uh, completely disconnected from the horse. So realizing that the one sheet isn't critical, you know, it's not going to make or break you. What are the things that you do um, recommend that authors bring with them in terms of preparing ahead of time? Now, I know that um, a lot of conferences actually instruct the writers not to bring anything. And again, I think this might be um in particular, the conferences that are outside the Christian market, because a lot of times if I'm like this conference that I was at last weekend, there were a few times when the author was having a little trouble with the pitching. And so I kind of wanted to help them out a little bit. And I said, well, did you bring anything with you? Did you bring a proposal or a one sheet or, or a you know, query letter or anything? And sometimes they'll say, oh, no, they told me not to bring anything. So um it's going to really vary from conference to conference, and the conference itself usually offers instruction about what to do. And then a lot of times in the bio of the person with whom you're meeting, they will say, I like to look at, you know, a first few pages or a proposal or a one sheet. Um, so you can kind of get a clue from there. If you don't know, I think it's a good idea for you to bring your one sheet if you have one, bring your proposal, if you have it, bring the first chapter of your book, if you have it. So in other words, it's there, it's in your bag. If somebody says, hey, you know, I'd really like to take a look at what you're doing, you've got it, but you're not necessarily bringing it and sitting down and pushing it across the table and saying, hey, here's my stuff, take a look at it. It's, But it's there if they ask for it. And so uh, I just feel like that's the safest way to approach it. A lot of times, particularly with fiction, you know how much an experienced agent or editor can tell just by reading the first page or two of your novel. So it can be very helpful to have that so that if they're having a conversation with you 
um, and they ask for it, you can let them take a moment to look it over. Some of these conferences have 15-minute meetings, which is an eternity um, from an agent <laughs> perspective. Because you typically know yes or no after the first five minutes, and the second 10 minutes are a pain. Exactly. Well, it can be hard to, uh, to figure out what to talk about, um, especially if the writer is nervous and is... Um, you know, the conversation isn't flowing. So sometimes that is a way for me to learn a little bit more um, and take up some of that time in a productive way by looking over some of your written materials. Some conferences have much shorter meeting times, five minutes or seven minutes or three minutes. <laughs> and so certainly at, at those kind of meetings, you're not going to have time to pull out any written materials. That's right. Better to have those written materials and not need them, but they're in your exactly. bag, than to need them and not have them. And just because a writer's conference says, don't bring your book proposal, they're not checking your bags for the book proposals. <laughs> There's no reason not to have a, a, a printed copy just in case. Because sometimes agents get really excited and they're like, I want to I read your book on the plane. I want you know a paper copy of, of your manuscript. It doesn't happen very often. Most agents don't want that kind of weight in their carrying luggage, but some do, and or they'll be really excited, and, and so they'll want to have it. And so, why not? Why not have that opportunity? You know, if somebody's super excited, don't don't you know don't be like, oh, I'll get back to you, and then three months later you email them back, and you're trying to reheat the iron when the iron was hot when you had a chance. Um, what are some other mistakes that you see Christian authors make when prepping for a writers' conference? Um. Sometimes I do see a little bit of over-reliance on the memorized word-for-word -word pitch, which then kind of comes out um, stilted, and um, that makes it hard to have a conversation. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, sometimes I see that people have a hard time when I say, okay, tell me what your book is about, um, they really have a hard time coming up with just a few sentences um, because they'll get they'll just kind of get lost and just they'll start talking about their book and then they kind of, and then they're rambling and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. And, and at some point you, you as the listener kind of just really lose the thread of what's happening. And you really just wish that they would be able in a few sentences to kind of capture what the book is about, the essence of the book. So part of it is just um, maybe the mistake is actually underestimating the amount of time you should really put into prepping for those meetings, because it can make a huge, huge difference in your experience of that meeting, if you do put in some time to prepare. So just really look at different ways to talk about your project. Um, write down some potential questions that they might ask um, about your plot or your characters or your ending and practice how you would answer those. And again, it's not a memorized word for word pitch, but it's just getting comfortable being able to sort of casually discuss your project. And there's a word you said, I really want to underline that practice, right? You want to practice this conversation with real human beings if possible, right? If you're in a critique group, if you're in a mastermind group, or even just have another author friend, you call them up on the phone and you practice pitching your book to the other one and then asking questions they can practice 
doing that even just one time can dramatically reduce how nervous you are. It increases how articulate you are. And it decreases the number of times you say, um, and all those other filler words, right? One of the best ways, especially if you're at a conference, that's only three minutes long. There's no room for, um, in a three minute pitch. And so practicing it until you get it comfortable and not just practice with the memorized pitch, which can come off as stilted, but also practicing with that back and forth can be, um, really reduce how nervous you are when the time comes. You know, you said something really important there, which is even if you practice it just one time, it would make a huge difference. So one of the big things you can do in prepping for a conference, besides looking and seeing what faculty is going to be there, is connecting with any friends that you have, even if they're online friends, um, who are going to be at that same conference. Maybe you connect with them ahead of time and say, hey, can we... Uh, get on a Zoom call together and practice our pitches for a few minutes or even just the phone if that's if that's what we want to do. So connecting with other writers who are going to be there can be a really effective way to get yourself a little bit more mentally prepared to do the work that you need to do while you're there. And it's nice to know that you have a friend at the conference. So a trend is a lot of conferences now will have a Facebook group just for people who've registered for the conference. It gives you a chance to connect with the other authors who are going to be at the conference. I don't feel like faculty are very active on these Facebook groups. It does depend on the conference. The Christian Podcasting Conference had incredibly active faculty on the Facebook group. Uh, but that that's unusual. But even if it's just a bunch of other authors, it's really easy to find them. You know, you post just like you said, Rochelle, hey, who wants to practice? And then you get to know each other. And not just get to know each other, but you've gotten to know each other's babies, right? You've heard about each other's books. And then when you're at the conference, you're like, oh, hey, Joe, hey, Sally. And you're, you have that connection. And sometimes just having one or two friends who you know are going to be there is another thing that helps reduce those nerves. If you're walking into a conference in a state you've never visited, in a location you've never been to, where it's all strangers you've never talked to before, and you're wanting, and your very first conversation about your book is with an agent, man, that is like the perfect recipe for nervousness. <laughs> you can do so much to make that easier. That is for sure. This is so important because another thing that's actually really incredible in terms of the results of a conference or good reasons to go to a conference is making friends with other writers. And um, I, I think this is one of the most important parts of a writer's life is early on in your um, uh, journey as a writer is making friends with other writers, whether it's through conferences, through critique groups, um, whatever you need to do, uh, there's a, there's so many, I know so many of you are already on um, Facebook groups with other writers, but these are the people who can be by your side throughout your journey. And I mean, most of my published authors are still with critique groups or critique partners that they have been working with since long before they were ever published. And those are the people they've come up with. Those are their friends. And um, it's a very, very helpful part of a writer's life. It's really good. I couldn't agree more. Everyone needs a team. Writing is done in community. You need other authors that you're working with. You need beta readers that are, you're working with. You need people who will tell you that your baby is ugly <laughs> so you can know to fix it. Uh, what advice would you have for shy authors? Right? Some people are listening to this and they are just shaking. They're so terrified. So if somebody has taken on that identity and told themselves, I'm a shy person, what, what would you tell them? So um, again, this actually goes back to that idea of taking the focus off of yourself. I have a post, um, I, there's a post actually was just a week or so ago on the Books and Such blog um, 
called An Introvert at a Writer's Conference. And it really addresses these issues. But it really goes back to the issue of taking the focus off of yourself and putting it on others. One of the best ways you can do that is to contact the conference ahead of time and volunteer to help. So you're going to man a table or you're going to keep time in like one of the agent and editor meeting rooms, whatever it is they need help with, you're going to maybe, you know, man the registration table. You're going to be in a position where you're actually helping. And in the context of that role, you are going to be talking to people and you might meet a few people that you can kind of hang out with during the conference. But that is a great way to take the focus off of me and my nervousness and actually take on more of a role of, I am a part of this conference. I'm a volunteer. I am helping out. And that can really help with your confidence right there. The other thing is just asking other people, how are you do, how are you doing? Um, I have a lot of people that, that will sit down or, you know, come up to the table when they have a meeting with me and they'll start by saying, are you doing okay? Can I get you a glass of water or something? And I always really appreciate it. I feel like it's very kind. And I also recognize it as a way for them to get out of their own head and be focusing on someone else for a moment. So if you're shy, think of every way that you can to put the focus on others. And then when you're pitching your project, again, you know what? It, it's not about you. And you don't have to be thinking of it as about you. This is about your project, your your really valuable thing that you're offering the world. And so you're going to um, feel good talking about that because it's not talking about yourself. It's talking about this offering that you are, that you want the opportunity to share with others. So basically you're saying love other people, love the people around you. And if you love them, it will cast out your fear. And if, maybe if you love them perfectly, it would cast out all of your fears. Is that what you're saying? Oh, Thomas. <laughs> it's like this is a Christian podcast or you something. Got, you got me there. <laughs> but I, I say that all the time when I'm teaching people, um, you know, love your reader. I mean, when you're working on, um, you know, book promotion or building your platform, the minute you start thinking of it as self-promotion, you're going in the wrong direction. But as long as you're thinking of it as loving on all of those people that you're sharing with, and offering something valuable to them, you're going in the right direction and you're going to be able to do it. I love that. One other thing we need to talk about when it comes to preparation, and this may sound a little counterintuitive, but it's follow-up, right? The conference is of no value for most authors unless they do follow-up. How can an author prepare for the follow-up ahead of time? Well, ideally, if you're sitting down for a meeting with an agent or editor, um, you are pitching a project that you're pretty much ready to send out if they should ask for it. Now, that's not always the case. Sometimes the timing of the conference is such that your project isn't quite ready yet, and that's fine. But ideally, uh, you want to, if you're writing nonfiction, before you pitch it, you want to have that proposal pretty much ready to go, because your whole entire goal of sitting down for that meeting is for that agent or editor to say, hey, I'd really like to see your proposal. Can you send it to me? If you are pitching a novel and you are a debut author, um, if they ask for something, they're going to need a completed novel. They might not ask you to send the whole thing, but they won't be able to consider you unless you do have a completed novel. So ideally, you would be ready to send that out, uh, let's say the week after the conference. Um, I request things from people all the time at conferences. And I have people that 
send it to me that night when I'm still at the conference. That's maybe a little too overeager. And then I have had people send me something six months, a year, up to two years after I met them at a conference. I typically don't mind that too much because if they say, hey, I met you at you know, ACFW in 2018 and we talked about the project and you asked for it, I know I'm sending it to you. It's fine. It doesn't matter to me that it was, you know, completed a long time ago. I'm still going to take a look at it. So I'd say try and be ready to send something out within a week to two weeks after the conference. That's ideal. But most of us will say if you don't send us something for six months, it's fine. We're still going to go, oh, okay, I met this person at that conference. I'll take a look. So you'll still get past the gatekeeper if you wait six months or a year, but the emotional state, your excitement will have worn off. <laughs> you won't be excited anymore after two years because you probably will hardly remember like, oh, I vaguely remember being interested in this book, which is very different than, oh, yeah, this was that great proposal I saw last week where you still remember details of that conversation. So there's a element of strike while the iron is hot, but also an element of it's never too late to send it, you know, better now than, you know, a year from now. Exactly. In fact, this at this last conference, I was at, um, there was one pitch that stood out above all the others. And I was so, so, so excited about this writer's book. And um, I don't know if I've ever done this before. But like every day, I keep checking my email to see if she sent it to me yet. <laughs> so um, I suppose after a couple of weeks, that is going to wear off. But um, hopefully, I'll still think it's a good idea. But like right now, I'm really excited. And I really hope she sends it to me couple of other things to do ahead of time to prepare. One is to schedule downtime or recovery time after the conference. Schedule that before the conference because conferences can be 12-hour days, 14-hour days. Last conference I was at, I was on my feet having my brain picked for 18 hours each day. <laughs> so I needed time to recover. As an introvert, that is a lot of people time. That's also just a lot of working time. 18-hour days are uh, not what I'm used to. <laughs> That's, I'm not I'm not a young man anymore, uh, or not as young as I was uh, back when I used to do that more frequently. And so you schedule that. Give yourself permission to recover. And you'll find that authors who go to lots of conferences and also a lot of faculty will give themselves recovery days to kind of recover from the conference. But the other thing I'd encourage you to schedule, you know, uh, take appointments with yourself. When I say schedule, I don't mean figuratively schedule. I mean put in your Google Calendar or your Outlook an appointment called recovery day. And then the day after that, have a scheduled follow-up day where you've scheduled time to do those follow-ups because it's really easy for all of the excitement of the conference. You know, you come home all excited and then you crash, you know, right? There's the valley at the end of the mountain. And then, you know, it's two weeks before you're kind of crawling out of your hole and you've recovered from conference brain. Uh, if you prepare correctly, that doesn't have to happen. That's really smart. And I, um, I find that I have to do that and I fight it because I'm really busy. But a lot of times conferences have kept me working all weekend. So number one, I haven't had a weekend. Number two, I'm exhausted from all of that time. Um, you know, just giving my emotional energy as an introvert and, um, I, my week always suffers if I don't build in some downtime. I went to, after my most recent conference, I went to the park with my wife and uh, two kids. And I completely, and I like kept my phone in my pocket the whole time 
pretty much. You know, I took a few photos of the kids, but uh, it was like the best way to recover from the conference. Because what I used to do as a single man was just like veg on Netflix, and I was still kind of tired at the end. But getting out in nature uh, and spending time with with my family, which now I kind of have to do because like my daughter's 16 months old. She doesn't understand why daddy disappeared for three days. Like that's, you know, it's hard for her. So she needs to spend that time uh, with me, and I want to spend that time with them and you know giving yourself permission it's not just for you it's for your pets it's for your family it's for the world (laughs) you said it Um, hopefully i'm not overselling this uh too much but uh, we're almost out of time but i do want to hear a little bit about author school because this is a cool thing that you're doing i want uh, to what is it and how does it help authors so Author School um, can be found at authorschool.com. And right now we are offering um, one course. It's our flagship course. Um, it's called Pen to Published. It's an eight-week course that is an overview of basically everything you need to know to um, become a published author. So we talk about um, the writing phase. We talk about kind of from the very beginning – um, designing a writing life, figuring out how to fit writing into your life, especially if you have a family, um, understanding yourself. We take some assessments at the beginning. We look at either our, um, our Enneagram type or we like to use Gretchen Rubin's, um, four tendencies to figure out how it is that we respond to expectations. And then we can, that we can use that to help design our own writing life. So we start from there and then we talk so we talk about writing, we talk about editing and critique partners, critique groups, how to work in them, how to find them, and then um, hiring freelance editors. We talk about, we go um, in depth on writing a book proposal, in depth on writing a query letter, and then we have um, pretty in depth on what is an author platform and how to get started building one and promoting and marketing a book. Um, we have a session where we talk about making the decision between um, self-publishing and traditional publishing, understanding the differences between them and trying to figure out what is the right path for you. Do you need an agent? And if you do want an agent, how to find an agent? So really, it's kind of like everything you need to know to get you know, to be writing and to be on the path to approaching publishing. So that's an eight-week course. We teach it um live on video uh, once a week for eight weeks. Those videos are then um, available to the students basically in perpetuity. We have downloads and worksheets and lots of links for additional resources for every lesson. And it's really cool because we also have a Facebook group in which I am um, interacting with the students and answering questions. And we actually on our um, on our session pages, um, several of our links are to you, Thomas, to um, like one of your podcast episodes or something that you've written. Um, in fact, last night I had a link to um, one of your, I think it was one of your podcast episodes on how to start your own writer's group, because um, we were talking about critique groups and things like that. So anyway, um, this is a really great overview kind of course that I haven't seen anywhere else. And so I created this one to be our flagship course. We are offering it twice a year right now. So we are in um, the winter one right now, and then we will offer another one in the fall. And um We will be uh, rolling out some additional courses over the next year. So we will have a course on um, 
writing for children. We're going to do a course on writing memoir. We're going to do a course on um, author platform, and we will be bringing in um, additional teachers besides me, um, experts in those particular areas. And um, so, so we'll be offering a lot more. But um, so far, um, I think this is the fifth time we've run the course, and we've just had really great feedback from our students. That's great. And I love how it's live, where people can ask questions, and there's that interactive element. I think that that really adds a, a special spice in that interactivity, not just in the videos, but also on the Facebook group. I love that. So uh, before we go, though, do you have any final tips or encouragement when it comes to preparing for writers' conferences? Well, number one, I just think the investment in a writers' conference, if it's doable for you, um, is a really great thing. Writing is a very solitary activity, and I think it's important to do things like go to conferences so that you get the feeling and understand that you are a part of something bigger. You're not just this one lone person doing this thing by yourself. There's a lot of people doing it, and there's a lot of people who are rooting for you, and everyone can kind of work together to help each other along this road. You are not alone. I think it's really important. Meeting other authors is really important, and then making some of those industry connections. So just know that if it's something you can do, it is something that can be really valuable. But like here, we've been talking about preparation and kind of how to make the most of it. And that's going to be the key because if you don't prepare and you don't kind of try and step out of your comfort zone, you might not find that it's it feels super valuable to you. Um, so you might end up having to kind of get outside your comfort zone in order to make it a very valuable experience to you. That's great. And what, and then my final tip is that perhaps the best uh, tip for preparing that we haven't talked about is have already been to a writer's conference. So don't feel like this one writer's conference that you go to, your first writer's conference, is your one and only shot. Right? You're going to learn so much being at that writer's conference. The next conference you go to or the next time you return to the conference you just went to, you will be less nervous. You'll know more what to expect. You'll have learned a lot from your experience the first time, and you'll be more prepared. And So there's an element of persistence here uh, that's really key. So that's another thing to kind of help you take a deep breath, that this is not your only chance. There are many agents out there in the ocean. There are many publishers out there in the ocean, and every conference has a different mix of agents and editors. And so uh, give yourself, uh, take a deep breath, give yourself some slack, and also try to enjoy being at the conference, because believe it or not, hanging out with other authors can be a lot of fun. (laughs) It can be. (laughs) All right. Well, Rochelle, thank you so much for joining us today on the Christian Publishing Show. Thanks so much for having me, Thomas. Always happy to chat with you. And we'll have links to RochelleGardner.com and AuthorSchool.com in the show notes. This episode is brought to you by the Christian Writers Institute. And the course of the week is the Tax and Business Guide for Authors. If you want help with your taxes for tax season as an author, this course is invaluable. It's advice by a CPA who's been working with authors for over 35 years. He happens to be my dad, so I can fully vouch for him. You'll learn whether or not you qualify for tax deductions as an author, uh, whether or not the author sees you as a professional writer or as a hobbyist, which is really important now uh, for your taxes, especially after the recent changes. Uh, you'll receive an indie business plan template. 
So if you're going independently published, how to put together a business plan. If you are traditionally published, your book proposal is very similar to a business plan. Uh, you'll learn about a simple tool that'll help you make money as an author while you're still writing your first book. Uh, you'll learn about when and if you need an LLC. You'll learn about 19 tax deductions you can take advantage of and so much more. This breaks down the tax questions that authors have into really simple lessons that when it comes time to put together your tax return, you will be very glad you took this course. And it's on sale right now to help you. If you're working on your taxes right now in March of 2020, use the coupon code MARCH2020 or click the link in the show notes and you will save a significant amount of money. So this is not just on this course, but also a bundle of courses related uh, to tax and legal Issues. The bundle together is normally $117, but with the coupon code, it's only $39, which is less than the cost of just the Tax and Business Guide for Authors. So this is a deal you don't want to miss out on. It does end soon. Uh, but again, click the link in the show notes to activate the coupon code MARCH2020 automatically. Thank you for listening to The Christian Publishing Show. For more information and to get episodes delivered to your phone automatically, visit christianpublishingshow.com.